This week I'm going to be continuing on the subject of prayer. Part one was last week, and this is part two, and we'll have a part three coming up at the end of the month. And I'm going to talk today about how Jesus motivates us to pray. My goal is to build on what we did last week uh, on, on prayer so that we're more motivated to pray and we're more effective in our prayers. So an outline of what I'm going to say is I'm going to summarize last week's teaching. So if you weren't here, then don't worry. We're going to give a, going to go over what we did last week. And then I've got three things I want to talk about what motivates us and what demotivates us to pray. I want to talk about, uh, to go through an exposition of Luke chapter 11 and verses 1 to 13, which is Jesus teaching on prayer. There's a section there and we, we want to go through that and use that as a foundation. And then um, we're going to talk about how that passage can motivate us and, and guide us in our prayer. So last week, I talked about four ways in which we can divide up prayer. And I, I'll just list them there and we'll go through them. Actually, let's, let's, we'll go them one at a time. So sometimes when we think of prayer, it's just like there's a blur. Prayer is this big thing. And it's useful, I think, to actually think, well, there are different kinds of prayer. And if we can think of the different kinds and give some intentional uh, attention to each kind, it can enrich our prayer lives because they're not all the same. Every kind of prayer isn't the same. And so we looked at, at four kinds and um, I, I color coded them because that's how I'm sort of, I like, like color. And the first kind was a very broad background conversation we have with God where we're always conscious of his presence. And so like I, this, this morning I was drinking my, my coffee and I thought, oh, this is, this is delicious. Thank you, God, for delicious coffee. You know, and there's that kind of interaction you might have. And I might have it with another human. I might have it with Anne if I'm in the room and I might just say, you know, um, how are you doing today? Um, how's the, how's the thumb that you sprained on the way here? How is it? Okay. Okay, so it's like normal conversation, <laughs> but uh, um, so that's the, uh, and it might be, uh, thank you God for that parking space, or um, or you just like where you're hanging out with the person. The So then a little bit more focused than that, we have short prayers linked to events during the day. Something happens that focuses your attention, and it might be uh, giving thanks for a meal, for example, and we'll be doing that later this morning. Or it might be more intense. And we gave the example of Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer of the greatest emperor on earth at that time. And King Nehemiah was, was bringing the, the wine to the king. And this responsibility that he had was very serious because he had to taste the wine before the king tasted it. So that if it was poisoned, he would die, not the king. And so he was constantly in the king's presence. And there was a rule that if you were sad in the king's presence, you could be put to death. And in this particular place we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, the king says to him, why are you looking sad? And he's looking sad because he's just heard news about Jerusalem, the land that they're taking into captivity from, and how Jerusalem is burned with fire and it's destroyed. And so he's sent up to prayer to, to God at that point, saying, God, well, we don't, we don't know what the prayer is, but it's, it says, and I prayed to God. So it was a very short prayer in between the question and the answer, and he prayed and God amazingly answered his prayer. So 
this kind of prayer is intense and it comes out of something that happens and uh, you know you may have uh, you may be in the middle of a conversation somebody asks you something or you 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 have a difficulty at some point and you just shoot up a prayer to god so that's the next part the next kind of prayer and then the 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 the, the next part I've, I've done, which I've coded blue here, is our regular times of prayer, where we are we are uh, praying on a, on a regular basis that we've actually planning to pray during that time every day. And uh, you can think of uh, the Lord's Prayer, an example of that. And, and Anne gave us an acronym, P-R-A-Y-E-R. And in a minute, I'm going to get her to come up and just remind us of that. That's our daily time of prayer, and Jesus regularly went to the mountain to pray. He he um, uh, he was do this, and it seemed he did this on a regular basis. We'll look at those some of those examples of that later. And then the last one, which I've coded red, is when we have a special intense prayer on a particular issue. And I gave the week, the example last week of um, of my mom who was diagnosed with cancer and with lung cancer very invasive and we prayed uh, very intensely about this and it turned out they'd made a mistake with the diagnosis she didn't have a lung cancer at all and so that kind of intense prayer and I gave the example last week of of when um, I was uh, Luke was taking his driving test many years ago and while I was waiting in the test center i was just praying god please may he pass this test we need him for the church for driving we need him for all these things giving all these reasons to god and then god answered the prayer he passed the test and this last week there was something i was particularly concerned about and i'd heard something happen i was worried about the spiritual implications and i just cried to god about it and at one time i had to go for a walk walk somewhere and i thought i'm going to spend this whole walk just crying to God about this thing. And, and I, it was the main item of prayer personally this week. And Anne and I prayed together about it as well. And then it turned out that actually God answered my prayer and everything was okay. So that was a big weight off my heart. And so that's an intense thing that, that we might be in our life. So those are four kinds of prayer that we talked about. And I'm going to get Anne to come up now and talk about to the prayer acronym that she introduced to us last time. So you can just stand here and they'll pick you up on my microphone. I can stand this side. If I want to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is just a really easy um, acronym for prayer that I learned when I very first became a Christian. And it helps you to, to, to remember all the points, not to just feel that you're coming to God. Well, here's my shopping list. I need this, 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 this. So you start... The P is for praise. We start by praising God, who he is, what he's done for us, etc., etc. Then we come to God in repentance. Because we, never, we can never come into God's presence having a clean slate. We're always messing up. And it's good to keep short accounts with God. And because Jesus died on the cross, we can come to him and say, sorry I did this, and know that it's forgiven. Then the A is asking, and we ask for yourself we all have a list of requests we all have things we need we have things we need god to do for other people we want friends to be saved people to be healed all these other things so we cover all these things and we can end just with rejoicing knowing that god hears us and he loves us to come into his presence and he will answer prayer perhaps not on our time scale but he does hear and he does answer and when god moves 
He's like the God we were thinking, we were praising this morning, surrounded by the lightning bolts and the flashes of thunder. He storms out of the heavens when he answers our prayers. He doesn't just say, oh, to some angel, oh, just go see to that, please. God comes himself. So, And is yeah. loosely based on the Lord's Prayer, covering the same topics as in the Lord's Prayer. So let's see if we can have a, a quick test on that. P for praise, praise R, repentance, P-A-R-A, <laughs> asking why, E, everyone else, R, rejoicing, yay, well done. Okay, so, the, so the, what I want to talk now is about um, what motivates us. We summarized last week, what motivates and demotivates us to pray. And so I'm going to suggest some, motivate, some demotivators would be nothing seems to happen when you pray. You don't seem to get any answers. Um, or you just don't feel listened to it. It feels like you're just praying to a wall. There's, no, there's nothing coming through. Or uh, you're confused about what, how does prayer work? You've just got some misunderstandings about... Uh, are, are things that you don't make sense about prayer. And we're going to be looking at these things the next in the next sermon, not in this, this one. The motivators, uh, answers to prayer are great motivators. You know, having had a great answer to prayer this last week motivates me to pray next week. And so it's like the more you do it, the more you'll be motivated. Um, stories of other people answered prayer. So sharing answers together is a great thing to do. And on our Tuesday night home group, when we have a prayer time, the first thing people give is a, a praise what God has answered the previous week, and then we pray for things that are coming up. Um, explanation or understanding when there's no answer. So it motivates us if we know, like if we can actually give a reason. It's not just confusion. And finally, uh, we're motivated by habits and routine, by getting into the practice of doing it, and that can motivate us to continue to do it. So, um, I, and I'll get into this a little bit more in the next sermon as well. But for now, I'd like just to pick up uh, the second of those stories of answers and talk about an answer, a story of an answer to prayer. Um, and this is a story from from the UK from uh, a man called George Mueller, who, um, um, a long time ago, started an orphanage in a place called Bristol in the UK. And one of the principles, he's, well, the reason actually he started the orphanage was because he felt that people didn't really take prayer seriously. They, they didn't, um, uh, trust God enough for prayer. And he's, he, he felt that if he was to do something which demonstrated God answered prayer, this would encourage people to pray. So he didn't start this orphanage particularly because he had a passion for children, and he was concerned for the children, but the main reason he started it was to demonstrate God answered prayer. And so because of that, he decided that the orphanage would be run purely on prayer. They wouldn't ask for any needs. They wouldn't specifically request anything. They would just pray and look to God to provide. And it was extremely well documented. There's lots written about it. Lots of people watched what happened, wrote about it. And so there's there's absolutely no doubt that what he planned came true. And there are many accounts of things that happened. And this particular one is a, a a breakfast time when in the hall where the children came and were ready, and this was actually, is actually the room where the children would come and have breakfast. Um, 
George Muller came in to have breakfast and they was told there was no food. And I'm just going to read you the account of this uh, the story. Let's just get this a bit bigger and then you can read along. Um, I hate to bother you, Mr. Muller, began the matron, but the children are ready for breakfast and there's not a thing in the house to eat. What should I tell them? George stood up. I'll take care of it. You don't can't quite see that, can you? Let me do, could you just move across just so it just say, there we go. Um, George stood up. I'll take care of it. He reached down and took a little girl's hand. Come and see what God will do, he said. Inside they found 300 children standing in neat rows behind their chairs. Set on the table in front of each child were a plate, a mug and spoon. But there was no food whatsoever to be seen. Where's the food? Abigail asked in a whisper. God will supply, George told her quietly before he turned to address the children. There's not much time. I don't want any of you to be late for school, so let's pray, he announced. As the children bowed their heads, George simply prayed, Dear God, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. Amen. George looked up and smiled at the children. You may be seated, he said. He had no idea at all where the food he had just prayed for would come from or how it would get to the orphanage. He just knew God would not fail the children. A thunderous din filled the room as 300 chairs were scuffled across the wooden floor. Soon all 300 children sat obediently in front of their empty plates. No sooner had the noise in the dining room subsided than there was a knock at the door. George walked over and opened the door. In the doorway stood the baker holding a huge tray of delicious smelling bread. Mr. Muller, began the baker, I couldn't sleep last night. I I kept thinking that somehow you would need bread this morning. Now, this is interesting because God had actually anticipated this prayer in advance. What's going on here? You know, God actually knew he was going to be praying. Um, uh, Then I was supposed to get up and bake it for you. So I got up at two o'clock and made three batches for you. I hope you can use it. George smiled broadly. God has blessed us through you this morning, he said as he took the tray. There's two more trays in the cart, said the baker. I'll fetch them. Within minutes, the children were all eating freshly baked bread. As they were enjoying it, there was a second knock at the door. This time it was the milkman who took off his hat and addressed George. I'm needing a little help. Of you, of you, could, sir, if you could, sir, the wheel on my cart has been broken right outside your establishment. I'll have to lighten my load before I can fix it. There's ten full cans of milk on it. Could you use them? Then the, then looking at the orphan sitting in the rows, he added, free of charge, of course. So here's an extraordinary answer and, and there are books written about, uh, large numbers of answers to prayer that he had that God provided as evidence for, for um, in fact, he answered prayer. So uh, it can help us then to hear stories of people we know or people in the past or our own stories of answers to prayer because that builds our faith. So just to go to our outline, uh, we summarized last week's teaching, and I've just quickly gone through the kind of thing that motivates us and demotivates us for prayer with this just one example. What I'd like to spend some time on now is an exposition of this passage in Luke, 
And then we're going to finally look at how this passage can motivate us. So let's look then at Luke chapter 11 and the first 13 verses. So it starts off with what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, last time we read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, and this is the Lord's Prayer in Luke. And they're somewhat different. And people who want to criticize the Bible have pointed this out and said, look, you know, it's contradicted himself. But if you think about it, Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples. I'm sure he must have given this prayer example dozens and dozens of times. A lot of the parables were probably repeated lots of times because he traveled into lots of places. So it would, it would be hardly surprising that Matthew and Luke would pick two different places where he gave an example that was slightly different in its wording. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, honored be your name. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and do not lead us into temptation. And so that is his prayer. That's that's what it is. And uh, it's a little shorter than the Matthew one. Um, so then Jesus, uh, in, in Luke's account, Luke puts Jesus teaching on prayer immediately following that. So Jesus goes on. He said to them, would any of you have a friend who you went to at midnight and said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread? Because a friend of mine has stopped here while on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Who would reply from inside, do not bother me. The door is already shut up and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, yet the very boldness of the request will make him get up and give him all he needs. Now, we often misread this parable. If you look carefully at the wording, some some translations are clearer than others, but if you look carefully at the wording, the friend doesn't refuse. He says, um, Jesus is saying, what, what if, would a friend do this? Would a friend say this? He says, no, in verse 8, even though he won't get up and give you something out of friendship, this friend would, even if he didn't do that, he would still give you something because you've requested, you've asked him, and it would be shameful not to answer your question. So the answer to the, what Jesus is saying here, the answer to this parable is that no friend would ever refuse someone like that. In that culture, it would be unthinkable to turn somebody down who has a request like that. You're living in a village, um, a close, very close society where it was honorable to do things for a person who you know, who's a friend, and it's dishonorable, it's shameful to turn down their request. And Jesus is saying the whole point of this is, you know, if a friend would do it, then how much more would God do it? If, if an earthly friend would do it, how much more would God do it? Um, God is not going to refuse if this man is going to refuse. Uh, so I'm going to come on in a minute to the application. But before that, um, I've just got a story for you. Um, a while ago, when I was preparing this passage and I was preparing the message, um, I, on a Saturday night at about 11.30, I said to Anne, what would be a modern equivalent of this? 
what would be a similar thing today of somebody asking for bread at midnight? So bear in mind, this is 11.30 on a Saturday night, okay? Uh, God has got a sense of humor. So um, God provided me with a modern example. So I went to bed. Now, I didn't switch my um, alarm off on my phone. Now, I've got it done on a timer, so it switches off automatically, but it didn't have it switched off then. And at 12.27, my, my, um, a text message came in. And the text message, guess who it was from? God's very precise. My neighbor. From my neighbor. Okay. And my neighbor never texts me, but this was, this was very precise. So here's the text message. Hey, Andrew, I thought you remember you might have a fancy machine that can jumpstart cars. One of the boys seems to have left the interior light on in my car and now it won't start. I was wondering if I might borrow your machine. I'm not joking. This is the message that was on my phone that came in just after midnight. And, um, no, I didn't respond. I figured he didn't need it right then. I mean, I would have if he needed it right then, but I waited till the morning and I responded and lent him my, my car starter. Um, and I told him the story. He's not a Christian. And I told him, you know, I'd been preparing this message and this is what had happened. And he laughed and, uh, uh, it was, uh, I think he got the point. Um, but, um, but the, the parable, um, says that he gives, he gives it to to the friend. He gives the bread to the friend, not just because he's a friend, but because of his boldness in asking. So if I was to take that, what if it wasn't my neighbor who I know who'd asked me? What if it was somebody across the street who I didn't know so well? Well, I would probably still lend it to him. I mean, if he needs it, I'd probably lend it to him. Um, what if it was getting up in the night? Well, you know, if it was necessary and he needed to, to drive somewhere in the car and late at night, I would probably do that. And so the point here really is how much more would God respond if an earthly neighbor who's you know, got lots of weaknesses would respond. How much more would God? And I'm going to give you a quote from a, a, a guy called Klein Snodgrass, who's written probably the best book that is on the parables. It's a book called Stories with Intent, and it's extraordinary work that he's done um, on the parables. And uh, this is his conclusion. He says, is God of such a character that he responds to prayers? The parable answers, of course, well beyond what a human might do God will respond. Jesus' conviction is that God is a God who eagerly hears the prayers of his people and is biased in their favor. And so the parable then, Jesus and Anne can be trusted to respond. And so the parable is an invitation to pray. Surely, if you would ask for and expect help from a neighbor, how much more should you seek and expect help from God? So I think this is a very powerful parable because it's taking us from a situation we know into prayer. And I think we'd all agree that it makes sense as a parable about asking people for help. And in our culture, people would help in the same kind of way, uh, particularly if you know them, particularly if they're fr your friends. So how much more then would God be willing to help you? Um, so let me ask you a question. 
So the, the real question you have to ask right now is, what is God's heart towards me right now when I pray? What is he feeling towards me when I pray to him? What is, it, what is his heart? Um, have you ever forgotten your, your wallet or your purse and you've needed to borrow money from somebody? Ever been in that situation? Um, so um, I want you to imagine now that you've forgotten your money and you don't have any money to get home. Who would you ask in here for money? <laughs> so what so what you're doing if by choosing the person to ask you're actually giving them a compliment because you're saying here's somebody that's not going to judge me um and is going to be willing to to to, to lend something to me i was working at a client's uh, one day and uh, i completely forgot my money i didn't have anything i had to was there all day um i needed to buy some lunch and uh, I, I had to ask, and I, I asked the boss, because I knew him well enough. And he said, of course, how much do you need? And, and lent me the money that I needed. But it's embarrassing to ask for the money. Um, but um, if, if Jesus was here, if Jesus was here in the room, would he be the first person you would ask? I'm suggesting probably not. Because you're probably thinking, well, I wouldn't want to bother God with this. You know, he's so important. I'll ask somebody, ask Braden or somebody like that. I, I won't, what, I won't, <laughs> I won't, I won't bother somebody like, and, you know, sometimes we do something really stupid and we feel we don't want to ask God to get us out of it because it was such a stupid thing that we do. Um, and, this, and you can see that this guy, you know, his friends come, he doesn't have any food. He should have been prepared. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you have to ask for something like that. And so not only is God the person who's ready to respond, but God's somebody we can bring our embarrassing prayers to. I should have remembered. God, please help me with this stupid mistake that I've just made. And so the, what Jesus is teaching then is, if humans sometimes respond, even when there's no friendship, how much more will God respond to his children? So I found this powerful. I found this encouraging. I found this, this teaching by Jesus to be really foundational to my, to, to my attitude to God in prayer. This is something that underlies every time I come to God. So if we go, if we look at last week's categorization of four kinds of prayer, which of those would it be relevant to? Which of those kinds of prayer, the background conversation, the short prayers, talking to God through the day, the regular time you meet with God or some intense pressure you've got, which of those would this be regular, sorry, relevant to? Yeah? I would say that it's specifically about that kind of prayer, but actually I think it's relative, relevant to all of them. Because it's actually about what you think, how God thinks of you when you pray. And all of those things are going to be impacted if you think that God is like this kind neighbor who is willing to give you what you need, even though you've messed up. So let's go to our outline. We summarized last week's teaching. We talked about what motivates and demotivates us. We've looked at this passage in Luke, but I'd like to go on and see how this passage now can now motivate us. So let's continue. So Jesus, what Jesus' response is for to this parable, the way Jesus applies it, he says, So I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and the door will open to you. And then he gives some mini parables. And uh, the, the, the first one, he says, everyone who asks receives, the one who, who seeks finds, the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? And so, I mean, it's, of course he wouldn't. Of course, no. What kind of father? Well, the answer to that is an evil father. A really, really nasty father would give a snake if the child asked for a fish. Have you ever been in a situation where you've asked for something, you've been given something nasty in return? It's not common, but I have a story. Uh, a few years ago, um, R- Rob Garlington set up videoing for the church here and videoing our sermons. And he he uploaded the sermons to a, a site called Blip TV which was a free service for uploading. It was like YouTube, but it was ad-free, and it worked very well. And we used it for a number of years. So one day, I noticed that one, just one of the sermons, one of the videos, you couldn't, it wouldn't access properly. And Blip TV had a help button on their website. Help, you know, help would sound good, wouldn't it? It would sound helpful. So I pressed the help button, and I said a message, you know, please, would you help us with this video that won't download? So a couple of days later, I got a message back saying, we've reviewed the content on your website. We don't think it's the kind of thing that we want to be having on our platform. We're going to be deleting all of your videos. You have seven days to copy off anything you want to. Bye. So there you go. So that I can think is is a, a request that's not answered nicely. That was like a snake when you're asking for an egg. But that's not very common. But particularly from a father, you would expect that a father, well, he says, what kind of father? The answer would be a bad father, but my father is not that kind of father. My father is a good father. Then he goes on. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Again, what kind of father? A bad father would do that. And so he concludes, if then... Although you are evil, comparatively speaking, we're evil compared with God. We know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give? And so again, this is his comparison. He's given the comparison between the neighbor and now he's given comparison with the father. And each one of them, he's saying, look, you know, even your average father would, would, would give good gifts. How much more is God? It's the same reasoning. How much better would God be? Than the, than the, the, the neighbor or the father. Um, so the, but then, um, I've, I've, you notice I haven't finished verse 13 off. Verse 13, do you know what the, the, uh, end of verse 13 is? How much more will the heavenly father give? He actually gives something specific. That's right. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, this is interesting. How does this fit within the logic? Well, actually, the very biggest gift the Father could give us is himself. You imagine that God gives you a present in a great big box, and you you open it. Oh, it's a present from God. What is it? And you open the wrapping paper, and you take it off, and you open up the box, and what's in there is himself. He's giving you one of the members of the Trinity is, is coming to live within you and dwelling within you. And having God himself, having him uh, 
as our companion, as our possession, is the greatest gift that we can have. So this is the the um, teaching that Jesus gives. But also, we're on the theme of Jesus and prayer. Jesus modeled prayer as well. He didn't just teach it, he modeled it. And it's interesting that um, he gives this example of praying at nighttime, the man who prayed at night, oh, sorry, who... who um, wanted the loaves of bread at midnight, because Jesus often prayed at night. Um, in Matthew 14, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And then in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And, and then Mark, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed Another example, Luke, in these days he went on a mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Why did Jesus have to pray? He's God. Why did he have to pray? That's right. He said, um, he, Jesus, while he was on earth, he's still God, but he set some aspects of his Godhood aside, particularly his, he, all of the miracles, the signs, the, the things that he did, um, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized, he didn't do any miracles before that time. After that time, it was the Spirit who did the miracles through him. And he, this was in order so that he could represent to us how we should live because if jesus lived a life that was just um totally doing things in as god all the time we could never have him as an example but jesus was careful to live a life that could be as an example of course some things he did like dying on the cross are not we can't die for the sins of the world on the cross but jesus many most of the things he did were done as an example for us and so Jesus prayed because he needed to do that to represent us to us the kind of life that a spiritual man lives. And a spiritual man lives a life that's dependent on prayer. And so, again, we could argue if Jesus had to pray, if he was so dependent on prayer to live the life that he did, how much more should we pray? How much more should we see a need of prayer? If he couldn't do these things without prayer, like, surely, if anybody could manage without prayer, it would be Jesus. But he would spend long times in prayer because, and not just that, we know he spent short times as well. We know he had a conversation with the Father. Um, sometimes very little prayers. If he needed to do that, how much more do we need to? So we're having some how much more motivations today. You know, if the friend at midnight gives an answer, how much more will God give an answer? If the father gives good gifts, how much more will God? And if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? So, um, so this uh, brings us to some questions, which I'm going to be ans- asking in the future and not today, but these are important questions. So I just want to just throw them out and we're going to talk about them in future. The first is, does prayer actually change anything if God knows everything in advance? Should I keep praying persistently? Like, should I carry on praying when it doesn't look like God's going to answer? When should I stop? If I'm persist to persist, do I keep saying the same words? Jesus said, don't use repetitions. Do I keep saying the same thing? What about prayers that are not answered? Uh, 
How do I, how do we explain God not answering prayer? What about praying in groups? Is it more powerful to pray in a group? You know, is God more likely to hear it? If I have a group, does it matter the size of the group? You know, do I try and get, if, if there are 10 times as many people as God, is that prayer 10 times more powerful? These are questions that people have and it's important to talk about that. How specific should I be? Should I give a general prayer or should I tell God, if I need a new car, should I just pray, God, may I have a new car? Should I say, I want a, um, I want a, uh, a 2017 dot, 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 and I want it red. And I'll, do I say spe- it specific? Like, how specific should we be? These are important questions to have. And so I want to be addressing some of these questions that come out. And if you have any questions you want to add to that, Please come and give them to me because it's very important. It's a demotivator to prayer if, we don't, if we're confused about it. We don't have the answers. So I've been focusing on the motivation today, and I want to focus on dealing with demotivations in the future. Um, but I've got a challenge for you this week. So uh, in order to get motivated, you need to be praying, and you need to see some answers. And so what I want you to do is to pray about something small right now. Okay, so I'm going to... We'll close our eyes, 30 seconds, something small. Okay. Well, I prayed that I would have some good conversations after in our break time. I was in our food time. Um, you don't have to say what you prayed. But so the second thing is I want you to write down a list of five to ten big prayers. And don't do it right now because you'll need to spend a little time thinking about it. Five to ten um, big prayers. And try and pray about them every day, but don't put pressure on God. So a number of years ago, I had this list of prayers. And there were big prayers like... Um, uh, may my son get married, may my daughter get married, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and may such and such a person become a Christian. And I had this big list. And as years went by, I was crossing them off my list. And wow, God answered that prayer. And he answered that prayer. And there was another person, and I prayed that they would get married. This was not, I wasn't, they weren't all about married prayers, but I, I was pretty sure God wasn't going to answer that prayer. And he did. And that was like massively encouraging. So I want you, to have a list of big prayers, but I'm suggesting you need more than one. A, go- a list is a good list is big. Sorry, a big list is good because part of the trouble is if we major on one thing and God decides that He's going to answer that, but not for another thirty years. We've got thirty years of being blocked in our prayer life because we're waiting for that one to, to be answered. So if you can give God. 10 or, well, 5 to 10, and give him the opportunity of deciding what order to answer them or what answer to give you. Sometimes it's no, but you're going to give God that. So I want to challenge you to do that. And I want to challenge you to try and pray about them every day, but don't like, bully God about it. And then you can add one to replace it if one's answered, but you must keep a record of what God has answered because that is going to motivate you to carry on. And that's what's motivated me in my life to carry on praying. So I'm just going to close in prayer and then we're going to get and we'll get the worship team can be coming up as I'm closing to um to get ready for our last song. <clears throat> Thank you Father for these amazing stories that we've had. Thank you God that even though a, a friend at midnight might possibly hesitate about helping us Lord you would not help 
I hesitate to help us, even for small things, even for things that are embarrassing because we should have remembered. And thank you, God, that uh, a father might give a bad gift, but Lord, you would be, you are the perfect father and you give perfect gifts to us. And thank you, God, that, um, that you give us so many encouragements to pray because you love it when we pray. And Jesus modeled prayer to demonstrate to us how precious it is and how important it is. And Lord, we pray that you would grow our prayer lives, Lord, that each one of us would be, would be motivated in this coming week to spend more time with you and more intentionality with you in prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.